All right, welcome to another episode of Mother Box, uh, New Gods podcast, where we read Jack Kirby's Fourth World material together. And uh, today is a special day because we arrive at Mr. Miracle. Uh, I'm Paul. I'm here with my co-host Matt. How are you, Matt? I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you? Um, I am currently on in the in the Furies, uh, in the fires of apocalypse. <laughs> Matt and I have been going back and forth, and I just gotta let the world know, all the listeners, um, that Matt is an extremely generous friend, and uh, I just have this and that coming up, popping up in my life. Um, people boom tubing into my life with um, issues that are sudden, suddenly I have to deal with, and punching me in the face and telling me to stand up. So uh, <laughs> this is gonna be a little bit different episode from what we'd hoped and planned. Um, mostly because of and thanks to that generosity of Matt's that I mentioned, instead of the conversation, which um, I'm disappointed not to have because I love chatting with you, Matt, about these books, we're going to instead um, t- take on the themes of isolation, of, of alienation, and uh, <laughs> and longing that are part of <laughs> uh, Mr. Miracle, our, our escape artist hero. We're going to talk about... Um, Jack Kirby's Mr. Miracle issues four and five, which we've promised that we would get into, as well as touch on um, Tom King and Mitch Jarrett's first 11 issues of their Mr. Miracle miniseries. And man, I guess what I'm proposing is that you and I will each record some solo podcasting, laying out our thoughts and responses to the the issues themselves uh, and some of the themes, maybe some of the, the commonalities between... Um, the Mr. Miracle of, of the King and the Mr. Miracle of King and Jared's and, and kind of consider them in, in some comparison. What do you think about that? Yeah, that sounds great. I think I like the idea of, um, of zoning in on Mr. Miracle at the moment, especially because um, King and Jared's work is kind of rounding up, coming to a close mm-hmm. on their mm-hmm. series. Um, so I think it seems quite timely to to revisit that work and uh, and revisit in the context of um, of Kirby as well because mm-hmm. there's uh, there's a lot of similarities and bleed through and crossover mm-hmm. that I think are uh, are fascinating and kind of um, enhance both readings in a weird way which yeah. is good. Yeah, yeah, this was really fun to to read and to think about in comparison and then to imagine the conversation you and I would have. So it breaks my heart a little bit that it won't be a a true conversation, although what we'll do is I think uh each of us will record our thoughts solo while um and then we'll put them together and that'll be the rest of this episode today. So listeners, hopefully you get um a good amount of Matt, a little bit of the dregs of my thoughts. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't know. Maybe in summary, I, I could ask you, Matt, what your general overall thoughts are. But my, I'll tell you that what I was going to lead with in our conversation was that Mr. Miracle is my favorite right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the, yeah. the, the Jack Kirby Mr. Miracle is my favorite right now. I am um, on, upon rereading um, a huge fan of King and Jared's take on the character. Uh, I think that there's just existential questions being um, taken on by um, by King and Jared's that um, basic, that highlight some notes that are in the uh, Jack Kirby, uh, and and they are so resonant with with my life right now, including the very situations that make it so that you and I can't have this conversation today. That um, I just can't wait to um, unpack. So so I guess just to say that that desperate um, need that that sort of um, I'll call it like a self-contradictory power of escaping mm. uh, and what that means for a person who throws himself again and again into a situation of absolute danger and <laughs> really your superpower is only to escape, um, puts you in mm. this 
endless cycle that I feel like speaks to my life right now. <laughs> it's just a series of <laughs> barely escaping by the skin of my teeth. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's my thought. I don't know it, what, what that what that uh what resonates with you about that, Matt. Yeah, I um I agree in a lot of ways. I think um I think King and Jared have picked up on a lot of a lot of themes from Kirby, but they've also um they've taken it a little bit further. So they they kind of um they they add a personal touch into it, and you know, and that's kind of the one of the core conceits of the of the series, isn't it? Really, is having these you know spectacular, brightly coloured superhero gods and contrasting that with their everyday lives and the distress of their everyday lives the pressures that they they put themselves under the pressures that they are under mm-hmm. um and I, I think it's fascinating and refreshing to um you know there's two sides of it isn't there really like with with kirby's new gods and mr miracle you find um you find relatable relatability within the storylines in a kind of a similar way you do with shakespeare in the sense that you you know there are the human condition is on display yeah. in these in these uh comics mm-hmm. whereas um with king and jared's there mr miracle is very much about the human condition as well but it mm-hmm. kind of focuses and zeroes in on a different a different aspect of that relatability mm-hmm. and that relatability is you know in the literally in the everyday you know in, mm-hmm. in being able to 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 want to escape the everyday but being you know trapped in a way that you weren't expecting to be trapped yeah. and i think mm-hmm. that's what they kind of touch on really is the the trappings of adulthood mm-hmm. and um and being a parent and being a husband and being this you know responsibility for his the rest of his family mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. um and those are things that aren't just the human condition they are very specific issues that we deal with mm-hmm. every day yeah. um yeah. and i think um and i think that's a different a different approach to the work than i think uh than I think Kirby took, yeah. but um, nonetheless, fascinating, fascinating to read. Yeah, yeah, very, very different. That sense that King and Jared's have this, you know, paint this character with the literal world on his shoulders, and the, mm. the, the, such in such a pointed way, the question of your own family or tackling that responsibility of the world on your shoulders, um, which I think is why I feel it so pointedly right now, and, and you know, because that's a feeling that that. Um, uh, you know, reverberates through my life, but uh, but I I think that's where I'm interested in thinking about how that comes from certain seeds of who the character is for Kirby in 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 you know his original incarnation. That anyway, I I'm excited to talk about it and folks will hear about now <laughs> as we dive into this. But just quickly to say, while while we're actually in conversation right now, Matt, thank you, thank you for your friendship and uh, it's. It's much, uh, I'm on this journey because I get to be on it with you. There's a, you know, we get to see this very beautiful relationship between Barda and Matt. Uh, I'm sorry, between Barda and, uh, <laughs> and Scott. And I feel a little bit like, uh, uh, you know, the, the those bonds that hold us together is a little bit my appreciation of you right now. You are. You are my Scott, or you are my Barda, whichever you prefer. <laughs> now there's a question. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned so you can no, find I, out I... which one we, we prefer. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah. There's the hook. No, I, 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 um, I feel the same. I appreciate you as well. I appreciate the, the kind of the, the conversation that we're able to have together. The, the easiness that it is to, to talk about these uh, such lofty subjects that we tend to throw ourselves into. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's it's not it doesn't seem to be 
you know the fates don't seem to be aligning for this episode but um but people should rest assured that we are you know we're more than committed to to continuing with uh, with this journey in uh, in one form or another yes. we will uh, we will get to the end of this road um but um but yeah so i think for you know for for the rest of this episode i think we're gonna you know we'll split we'll talk about our own individual thoughts mm-hmm. i know that um i um have got uh, i'd like to focus on the panel by panel issue mm-hmm. that um i have yes. um, i have a physical copy in front of me i got a chance to meet Hass at thought bubble this last week mm-hmm. um and got a, a physical copy of panel by panel the issue specifically uh, issue four which focused on mr miracle uh, issue one um there's a lot of um a lot of information in there that i've um, i've read before but um i'd like to kind of deep dive within the context of our of our um read along mm-hmm. um and specifically some issues regarding you know how king and jared see their own work um and how other people are approaching some of the themes that are in there um specifically because issue one and two of mr miracle focus so deeply on his um suicide attempt mm-hmm. um and i yeah. think that resonated with a lot of uh, a lot of people yeah. um so i think it'd be interesting to see what that means uh, for me as a reader, what that means for um, my unpacking of the rest of the series, yeah, and kind of what that means for the character as well, really, yeah. how that how that fits in with a grander narrative that we we're used to seeing on previous episodes of this show, which is mm. this kind of bright, colourful, untouchable, literally untouchable character, mm-hmm. and how that you know does that fit in with this the character that we know? Does it does it jar in any way? Is it um, is it a is it a fitting aspect or fitting continuation of his character? So I'll be interested to have a look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds, sounds good. So hang on tight folks. And we'll get into that now. Hello, podcast listeners. We're the hosts of the DC three cast. I'm Zach. I'm Vince. And I'm Brian. Each week we discuss most of the new releases from DC comics, focusing mainly on rebirth, Wildstorm, and young animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, bad to end the Dio impressions, this is bad, what the f***? And an in-depth look at DC each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jurgens with us hello folks uh, yeah it's my turn to um to talk to you um and give my own thoughts on mr miracle both kirby's stuff and uh, king and gerard's new series as well um and we both thought uh, paul and i both thought it was appropriate to be talking about it now seeing as uh, king and gerard's uh, 12 part uh, mr miracle series is coming to a conclusion soon issue 11 came out uh, most recently and issue 12 is due out the final issue is due out very recent uh, very soon uh, from now um, and so i thought it was a good time to look back at that run and um, and look about how it fits in with the the rest of what we know about um mr miracle so far from kirby's work and uh, now if you're if you've read mr miracle before if you've read the new gods before then you'll have a bit more of an understanding of things if you're like me and paul and you're reading along with this podcast so you're reading along with mother box um, then you'll still have an understanding of who Mr. Miracle is as a character. And one of the things that will obviously per- surprise you potentially when you pick up King and Jared's work is how the series begins. Now, the series, um, spoiler warning if you haven't read it, and also trigger warning, we'll be talking about um, some sensitive themes as well. Um, Mr. Miracle issue one starts with 
um, scot-free having um, attempted suicide. So he's um, in the bathroom uh, with blood from his wrists. Um, he's rushed to hospital. His life is saved. Um, but it starts him down a road um, throughout the series that talks about the idea of escapism. Um, and obviously, Mr. Miracle, a lot of his um, career and a lot of his superheroics are built around the idea that he can escape from anything. And so one of the reasons he gave for wanting to... Um, you know, do what he did, wanting to um, attempt suicide, is the idea of can he escape death itself? Um, and that is the approach that uh, the series takes to start with. But um, it also opens some other questions, really, about the idea of escapism from everyday life. Um, and for me, one of the things that I loved about the panel by panel issue um, that I've got a physical copy of here. Um, it is issue four, and um, if you're looking to follow along with that book, I think it's a great um, resource um, material. Every issue is, but this specific issue for Motherbox Podcast has been very re uh, interesting. Um, I uh, met Hass and got um, this panel-by-panel -panel issue. You can get it yourself on Gumroad digitally. You can subscribe to the whole issue series. Um, search Panel X Panel on Gumroad and you'll find it. Um, but one of the things I found interesting about that book is the interview with King of Jurats. Um, where they discuss the, the concept of using the nine-panel grid. Now, if you're familiar with comics, if you've read Watchmen, um, or if you've read any of King's other work, you'll know that the nine-panel grid is a specific page structure style that um, some artists and writers favour. Um, King gives his reasons in this um, interview as being the fact that there's a certain rhythm to it. Um, there's, uh, there's three... Uh, there's three sets of three panels, um, which is very, uh, three panels are very comic strip, you know, like Garfield, that kind of, um, you know, set up, punchline, or set up, pause, punchline, um, and that kind of um, style, King says, is very, um, is very, flows very rhythmically for him, for his writing, and he says that because there's that fifth panel that's in the middle of the page, you get the ability to, to use that panel to set up um the the whole page the page as a whole rather um but how that relates to mr miracle how that relates to um scott free specifically is this concept of the first few pages are open you know he is cannot be contained by these panels um and this is where you see a full a full shot of his face and then the next page is him full page of him on the floor of the bathroom um, and then it transitions into uh, strict nine-panel grids throughout, for the most part, throughout the rest of the series. Um, it breaks that convention a few times for emphasis, uh, but for the most part it is nine-panel grids all the way through. And one thing I found interesting about that is that King says that is a very purposeful use of uh, bars of, you know, black of black or white borders that are very strict very disciplined and it is it is a form of a trap you know so the the series itself and king uh, and gerard's work is held is kept within these boxes and kept confined within these nine panel grids um in a way that emulates king's uh, emulates scott free's own predicaments um which i find fascinating you know because kirby uses um uses all manner type of um, of panels layout. So he uses uh, six panels. He uses three. He uses full double page spreads sometimes, um, and then he also uses the 
um, the collage effects that he uses so, to his own um, abilities as well. So there's a lot of experimentation going on with Kirby. And I think there's a difference between the two series, really. There's a difference between um, Kirby, who is very much um, on the cutting edge and experimenting and using, you know, being so imaginative, so creative. He's leading the charge of a whole new kind of comics revolution, really, uh, that will only be recognised as such. Um, potentially, you know, even only now we're discovering how important his work is, but how influential his work has been uh, over the last 20 years, as opposed to um, when it was concurrent with its release. Um, whereas King and Gerard's are influ- like they're inputting that structure as part of the storytelling, you know, so Kirby uses the form to, to tell his story, he uses the form as a tool to use to, to tell the story that he wants to tell. Whereas King and Girards are incorporating that form and that structure into the actual, um, in, to influence our impression of the emotions that are going on in the story and the analogies that they're trying to pad across. Um, and I think that is, that's fascinating. I think that's something that um, also emphasises something that I mentioned in the intro, which is the idea that um, King and Gerard's work in Mr. Miracle is a very personal one, um, especially for King, I imagine, who um, has openly talked about his own feelings, his own vulnerabilities, his own personality when it comes to um, these kind of subjects, this kind of subject matter that Mr. Miracle is attempting to tackle. Um, but uh, as I said in the intro, Kirby's approach to to humanity and approach to uh, telling a story that's very relatable is very similar to um you know Shakespeare in the sense that he he uses the human condition as a broad stroke as a broad brush stroke he uses um analogies in order to illustrate the importance of um of good versus evil or you know of um a family of love of hate of war um and Kirby does something similar in in New Gods and Fourth World he his focus is on theology and politics and his um focuses you know on the the very basics of superhero structure which is good versus evil um and his ideas that good will always triumph over evil you know there is never a doubt in his mind there's never a doubt in his work that good will always triumph um and those are very relatable you know they're relatable terms the the politics that he is um you know putting on display especially in things that we've seen in recent episodes and recent issues which such as happy land um and um glorious godfrey those are things that are very that feel very prescient in today's society in today's politics you know the idea of fake news is almost something that kirby was was playing with in the early 70s um and so yeah it's relatable in that sense but um what tom king is doing in his mr miracle is contrasting the superheroics the the brightly colored you know four color world of these superhero gods with the mundane, with the everyday, with the still remarkable, still, you know, incredible act of being a parent and having a child. But that is something that, you know, mortals go through. That's something that humans go through every day at, in throughout the world. Um, and, you know, there are moments where that's played for humour. So the idea of, um, you know, Darkseid eating just carrots and hummus and he's just a whole nine panels of him just sitting eating this you know demonic anti-god sitting there just eating carrots and hummus it's humorous it's hilarious it's played for 
um, the contrast, you know, the, the, the humour is in the abstract. Um, but nevertheless, that humanity, that relatability, that groundedness is throughout the run and throughout the issues. And that can be jarring at first. That can be something that is seems at odds with the characters and seems at odds with what we've been reading in uh, Kirby's uh, Kirby's comics, which are, you know, the furthest thing from reality you could possibly get. You know, they're fighting amongst the stars. There, there's New Genesis. There's Apocalypse. There's gods and monsters and and all that kind of business. But it's it's different in. Mr. Miracle. It's about a man and his partner and her, um, her, you know, new child and his new child and their marriage together and how she deals with being a wife and a mother and how he deals with being a husband and a father and how they both deal with the fact that at the start of the series he tried to kill himself. Um, and it's it's difficult. It's a very difficult thing to approach. It's a very difficult thing for uh, King and Jared to get right. Um, I think personally they do get it right. I think they they ask questions. Um, they ask questions of what it is like to you know, be an adult, be a person that has to deal with these emotions. Um, they, they deal with the fact that they have, they take this superhero who's Who's very whose greatest superpower is the ability to be a master escape artist, and they trap him and they put him in situations that um, human beings feel trapped in all the time. You know, whether it be um, having children, whether it be in a marriage, whether it be a responsibility to family. And you know, granted, his responsibility to his family is is about gods and you know taking on the crown and being. Um, the leader of New Genesis, but it's still responsibility to family, and it's still played as a smaller thing than it actually is. You know, we see the the human ticks, the human emotions, the small, subtle nuances of conversation, rather than the big sweeping act of of you know ruling over a monarchy. And I think that's important, and I think that's something that feels at first as though it's very opposite to what Kirby did. And in a lot of ways it is, but in a lot of ways it's not. It's a continuation of. Um, in this panel by panel book, King Tom King mentions the idea that he cannot and should not and would never hope to um, outdo Kirby or out-Kirby Kirby. Um, and I think anyone that's tried has failed. Um, there are times when you know someone like Walt Simonson has come close and they've done their own style on things. There are people like Tom Scioli who have um, who have attempted to emulate uh, that style in homage and you know put their own spin on things. Um, but to me, the the thing that Kirby did best was, and the you know the thing that we're seeing in every every issue that we read um, in this Motherbox podcast, we see new characters, we see creativity, we see imagination, and not just in the actual narrative we see the Kirby style evolving we see Kirby pushing himself as an artist to try and create these things that are so uniquely him but also attempting to be timeless um, and that's something that the only way you could emulate that is by is by doing something vastly different from that um, if you try and emulate it too much by mirroring what he's doing or you know by 
trying to trying to copy his work, then you're you're doing a disservice to to his memory and the characters. What you need to be doing is forging your own path, which I think that King and Gerard do very well. I think they they take these characters, they take these concepts, they take these analogies for for human feelings um, that some of these characters are, and they put them in a situation that is absurd. They put them in a context which feels and um, feels opposite to what we're used to and uh, feels opposite to what the character should be in um, you know the Scott Free and Big Barder are two huge characters that should be you know fighting monsters on Apocalypse but instead they're sat at home watching TV looking after a baby um, and it's it's wonderful and it works and it's something that um, takes that concept of Mr. Miracle and um, and evolves it a little bit, I think, um, and runs with the fact that this is, at its core, what is this character, what is his goals, what are his aspirations, um, and, and takes it from there. And I think it's, um, it's interesting to read Kirby's Mr. Miracle alongside uh, Tom King and Mitch Durad's Mr. Miracle. Um, and one of the reasons for that is one thing that I've noticed that I wasn't picking up when I was reading Mr. Miracle as it was coming out um, is the fact that each issue is in some way linked to its uh, counterpart uh, in Kirby's run. So issue one of Mr. Miracle from um, 2016, 2017 rather, is linked to Kirby's Mr. Miracle number one in more ways than just them sharing a title and a number. Uh, the actual narrative caption boxes that Kirby used are duplicated exactly word for word within uh, King and Gerard's work, um, which kind of goes against what I was just talking about, the idea of them doing their own thing, um, but it's used as a contrast, you know, so Kirby's Kirby's writing, Kirby's words are um, are very evocative you know they're very hyperbolic they're very grand they're very sweeping um and that used in the context of his articles uh, in the context of his um sorry not his articles in the context of his writing and the in the context of his stories that makes sense and it fits and it works um whereas if you place them over the top of um king and gerard's mr miracle um you see these grand hyperbolic sentences and then in the background you just see a, a normal human being. Um, so, for example, in Mr. Miracle Issue 1, Kirby's Mr. Miracle Issue 1, um, the opening of the comic itself says, Is he a master of spectacular trickery or is he something more? You will have to decide when you confront the strangest, most incredible hero ever to appear in comics. You will see what he does, you will wonder how he does it, but always waiting in the wings are his two greatest enemies, the men who challenge him and death itself. And then if you contrast that with um, King and Gerard's Mr. Miracle, that writing is there. That's, that's all on the page as well. But in the background, you see on across a double page spread, you see those words. You know, you will see what he does. You will wonder how he does it. But always waiting in the wings are his two greatest enemies, the men who challenge him and death itself. Meet Mr. Miracle. And behind those caption boxes is a man, a very human man, in a gaudy-looking costume. You know, and he's 
hunched over on the bathroom floor. There's a toilet next to him, the shower's behind him, and his wrists are red, and the floor is soaked in blood. Um, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of laughing, but it's, it's, it's very real, it's very visceral. And the things that you take as part of the story in Kirby, in Kirby's Mr. Miracle, and you look at it and you go, yeah, he's there and he's in his colourful costume, and yeah, this, this writing is bombastic and it's real and this is happening to him. You then contrast it to, um, you know, a very real situation that many, you know, many millions of people have either considered or have, have carried out. And it's jarring, it's shocking, it's um, brutal, and it's... Um, highlights the surreality of what he's doing so the idea of you know his costume looks completely completely in in the the fiction of Kirby's world it looks completely appropriate whereas here it's it's ridiculous it's absurd it's a man in a red and yellow and green costume just hunched over on the floor why is he wearing that you know what is he wearing these ridiculous Halloween costumes for um but that's almost kind of not the point I think that King and Gerard are trying to make, you know, the point they're trying to make is that this this is a superhero, this is a god, but he's also a human being, he's also real, you know, he's also a person. Um, and then, you know, you, over the next few pages, it, that's when you start getting trapped within the panels, and that's when you start seeing the dark side is, the black, the black panels that just come and, like, hit you, and you can almost hear the, th- like, the thunder, the boom, um, of it dropping as it hits the page, um, these panels that say "Dark Side is," um, and they happen every time there is um, a moment. You know, there's, there's. It's not made explicitly clear why and when they show up, but they, to me, they always seem to show up when, whenever there's a flash in, in Scott's head, or whenever there's a moment where he, he thinks about what he's done and he thinks about the the darkness within him and he thinks about the blackness that that creeps upon him and um you know something that potentially people with depression would feel is that is that sense that vortex that blackness that darkness that pulls them down it's it's you know unrelenting it's not sadness it's not anger it just is emptiness it's nothingness and i think those moments are where we see dark side is um and that calls back to to Kirby's work in in a very real way because we've what we've noticed so far as we look through Kirby's work and we look we read through Kirby's stories of these fantastic beings and good fighting evil is that Darkseid as a character as a being is not a villain that Superman can punch necessarily he's turned into that recently you know in recent years he's turned into this kind of generic bad guy that Superman can punch and submit um, but originally Darkseid is not a um, Darkseid isn't a character he isn't a he, he's almost he's not he's not something that is tangible almost it's he is you know Darkseid is Darkseid is everything else he's the darkness within you he's the the evil side of man he is the Here's the 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 voice that tells you that you're wrong and you're you're horrible and you're nothing and you won't amount to anything. He is the bad part of every every aspect of society. 
Um, he is the internet trolls. He is the racists, the bigots, the liars, the cheats. Um, he is that part of everyone, you know. And here in in King and Gerard's work, they use that more effectively. Um, not more effectively than Kirby, but they use it more effectively than Darkseid has been used in the last 10, 20 years. Because, again, you don't see Darkseid for issues and issues. You're only really coming to see him now in issue 11. Um, but at first, you just see the idea of him. And the idea of him crops up whenever Scott has a moment and has a, that... That, that image of himself or that vortex, that nothingness inside him pulls him down again. There's a page in issue one uh, where Orion arrives in Scott Free's living room. Uh, Barda's fallen asleep on Scott's lap. They're watching TV. Um, Orion just arrives in a boom tube, just kind of drops into his living room um, and says, Scott Free. And Scott goes, yep, yeah, okay. He knows what's going to happen. He knows that Orion is going to punish him for what he did, what he tried to do. Um, and Orion says, stand. He wants him to stand up. He wants to face him like a man. He wants to face him face on. And there's a panel, panel four in the page, though the first panel of the second line, Scott looks at him. The middle panel, panel five, is him looking down, him kind of inwardly sighing to himself, you know, facing the reality of his moment. And then... The sixth panel is black, it's dark side is. It's that moment that Scott looks down and he sees nothing but himself. He he closes his eyes maybe, he just looks within himself and dark side is. Dark side's there. You know, that darkness is there because he knows he will have to stand up, he knows he'll have to face Orion, but he also knows that in that moment he has the choice, the choice to do something, the choice to do nothing, but he also has no choice he also knows that the very the fact that he has no choice the fact that he is trapped the fact that he cannot escape from this moment and that's where dark side is and so i think mr miracle has always got that dark side to him that element of him is is there and i think one of the highest compliments i think i can pay to king and gerard's work is the fact that reading their work elevates my reading of Kirby's original work um, and I think that is probably the best thing that I could possibly say about their work you know something that not only I enjoy in itself but something that enhances my enjoyment of the work that they are trying to um, trying to move move off from uh, the, the, the work that they're trying to build on um, and I think that's something that is definitely true. You know, it makes me look back at Kirby's work. It makes me see something in Scott Free, in Mr. Miracle, uh, is this idea of a man that is um, always trying to escape. In Kirby's work, he's trying to escape from death traps. He's trying to escape from uh, master criminals and supervillains and, you know, these gods and monsters that are perpetually locking him in things or throwing him into pits and um, throwing him down stairwells as we've seen but in King's work, in Gerard's work he's potentially facing a different kind of trap and that is the trap of, of life, of everyday life, of 
the the little the thousand and one little traps that you you find yourself in you know find yourself that you you know you have responsibilities you have a job you have you have family you have friends you have fa- like you have loved ones that depend on you that you end up having family you have kids that depend on you um and these are all things that um bind you don't necessarily trap you but they bind you with responsibility now how you deal with that how you choose to embrace that or not embrace that is the measure of a person but in mr miracle's case in scott free's case it's looking at this idea of of what does he what does he gain from his life what does he how does he rank his own his own life and you see him questioning that you see him coming up against that quite a bit you see him fighting the good fight on apocalypse you see him fighting those responsibilities uh fighting for those responsibilities um but you also see him questioning that as well you see him questioning how real it is and that's in a very literal sense as in by the end of the series you know we're getting to the end where we're starting to discover that maybe isn't maybe things aren't as real as they first seem um but also in a figurative sense in a metaphorical sense as well you know how real is is this life that he's living how how fulfilling is it how what is he getting from it um and it's it's fascinating and it's playing on concepts it's playing on things in a very um very modern way a very new way it's a way that we wouldn't have seen done in comics from the 70s potentially um but it is something that is um taking those concepts and taking those wide sweeping human conditions that Kirby dabbled in and adding a touch of realism a touch of uh, grounded relatability um into the minutia and humor as well and there's there's humor there's fun there's there's touching there's there's heartbreaking moments in this series um but i think all of it just feeds into a grander narrative of these characters um in a way that we've not seen before in a way that um i'd hope to see again but i wouldn't be surprised if we don't see that side of these characters again because uh, it's a very unique book um and it's also a very brave decision to make and i don't think every writer and artist could replicate this kind of thing but again going back to what we talked about with Kirby and King and would you want to would you want to emulate it or would you rather do what Kirby did and forge ahead and create your own thing um and so there have been other Mr Miracle runs that I'm sure that me and Paul will get to at some point in the future um you know seven soldiers with grant morrison for example takes a very different look at mr miracle that i've only i've only briefly aware of but i've uh, i've read an issue or two um and there's more there's more to be there's more to be unpacked about these characters throughout the years you know orion especially with walt simonson's run um is something that takes a very similar approach to kirby but takes it in uh simonson's own style his own way of dealing with things and so there's a lot to unpack with these characters but um this Mr Miracle series um reading it alongside the original run uh, again noticing that the themes and the characters from issue 1 of Kirby's run appear in issue 1 of King and Gerard's run and then when you go to issue 2 the you know the caption boxes from issue 2 of Kirby's are in issue 2 of King and Gerard's along with seeing uh, Granny Goodness and things like that and then issue 3 
um, has the same caption boxes as issue three of Kirby's Run. There's similarities there that I think make it very rewarding for you if you go back and if you read Kirby's issues alongside King and Girard's run as well. And I think when this series is wrapped, when issue 12 is finally out, I think it'd be worth one final reread to go through it all and to to absorb it because there's a lot there's a lot in there there's very subtle moments in there that I think you'd potentially miss and you could potentially pick up on the next time you read it um and so that's my thoughts really I've not um, I've not even half dived into panel by panel book as uh, as much as I wanted to there was plenty of other things there was Dennis Camp's um excellent essay um in that series but I'd like to get him on the show to to talk to him in person about that uh, that so I'm kind of glad I didn't touch on that um but I highly recommend you pick up that panel by panel issue. I think they're two dollars fifty each, uh, or three dollars fifty. Go on to Gumroad or search on Google for panel X panel or Hassan as well. Hassan Otsman Alhau, Hassan OE on Twitter. Um, give me a shout out. Tell him I sent you. Um, but also, uh, you can pick up these um, issues of Mister Miracle and New Gods um, and Forever People and uh, Jimmy Olsen as well. You can find them all on Comixology, which is how I've been reading them. Uh, they're digitally online. Um, or you can do what Paul's doing. You, he bought the big omnibus book, um, the hefty tomb of omnibus book. Uh, you can uh, you can read that as well and follow along that way. Um, and then um, I think there's a Tom King sale on at the moment, so on Comixology, so you might even be able to get these new Mr. Miracle issues uh, for a little bit cheaper as well. So definitely go online and sort those out as well and read those uh, and see what you think of that. It's been good to take a breath and it's been good to um, slow down our Kirby read-through and focus in on Mr. Miracle specifically. Um, But I am very much looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Mr. Miracle, whether it's old series or new series, um, and all the time just always get in touch with us. Um, I am Matt Loon, I'm M-A-T-T-L-U-N-E on Twitter. And uh, Paul is Tuply, T-W-O-P-L-A-I, um, and I'm sure he'll tell you the same uh, when it's uh, when it's his segment as well, or if he already has. I don't know how he's going to be editing this together. Um, but there we go. So that's, uh, that are my, that's my thoughts on Mr. Miracle, both old and new, and how they relate to each other. Um, and hopefully next issue, next episode, sorry, we'll be able to um, join forces again to tackle some of the new gods and forever people issues that we need to catch up on. But um, but until then, I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks, Matt. Um, man, love hearing Matt's insights, whether gleaned from panel by panel or from his own sharp observations. It's just um, such a pleasure to listen to him that again and again, I wanted to like chime in in the on the usual dialogical tip that we have of just being like, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that made me think of this. And so um, totally on me and totally my fault that uh, we have to do this solo thing, this stitched together solo podcasting instead of the usual conversation that we get to have. Um, and uh, But I think Matt set up so many things about the um, respective runs we're talking about, the King and Jared's run that is the Mr. Miracle of now and the um, classic Mr. Miracle of, of Kirby that we have been reading. And so, you know, I don't know that we clarify this, but we are at issues four and five of the original Kirby run. And we thought we'd take this time to step aside while we're looking at those two issues to, to look at the um, 11 out of the 12 issues of the current um, Tom King and Mitch Jared's uh, Mr. Miracle miniseries. So 
Um, as Matt pointed out, there's all these like incredible parallels, and I think there's also things that are going on that are points of departure, and I and I really think they are departure because I think it's they the King and Jared's lift off from what Kirby's doing and uh, accomplish something altogether different uh, while still retaining the same uh, many of the same notes and in the same vein. Um, and, you know, I, I regret that we didn't get to talk because, um, as I think I've mentioned on the podcast, just this scheduling thing, um, I am sincere when I, when I thank Matt for his generosity and kindness because, uh, seriously, folks, behind the scenes, you got to understand, you know, Matt's in the UK, I'm in California, we're trying, we're setting up times, you know, weeks in advance for us to talk, and then again, time and again, I've got a flake <laughs> because one thing or another from my life has come roaring in. And um, Matt just seems to have endless patience uh, and compassion. And um, and I, I just do him dirty um, the way that I, um, you know, can't show up in times that I promised. And, you know, I, it's, uh, it's a combination of this, uh, this job that I've taken on, which I'm incredibly thankful for. Um, it's, it feels like important work. I work, I work in teacher education and trying to establish and build a program that um, prepares teachers for, um, you know, the challenging context of trying to uh, work for equity in schools. That's, um, that's hard, uh, but it's also feels really important and it feels really um, in line with what is not just a, a career to me, but is really um, a calling to, to work that I'm supposed to be doing in the world and, uh, and therefore has no boundaries. <laughs> It's really hard for me to draw lines and say, you know, I, 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 uh, I I'm, I'm going to stop working now because it seems like the work is so important. Uh, and in the meantime, though, I am, um, you know, committed to being a husband and father who um, doesn't shirk my responsibilities at home. And so there's times when I'm just torn. And um, honestly, you know, uh, giving 100% to one and 100% to the other really leaves um, not much for my buddy Matt and for the mother box. I just reflect on this now because I think that's actually a lot of what Mr. Miracle is about in this uh, current iteration by King and Jared's. I, I mean, I, I feel like um, they uh, have read, the, the modern uh, King has read the classic King, uh, King Kirby, and seen in Scott Free both the conventional elements of the earnest superhero um almost childlike and I, I'm, not, I'm not trying i'm not saying childish but kind of like childlike um fantasy about who we might be able to be um but but i think that's a, a childlike uh, archetype that uh, transposes real adult um yearnings and desires uh, you know scott free is a character who um you know the the essence of his superheroics is to be able is is the ability to escape and that's on one hand the most flaccid superpower, as I was saying at the top of this conversation, that you know you can get out of scrapes. What what kind of aggressive, assertive, you know, um, domineering, powerful hero are you that you can flee? <laughs> it just doesn't seem that heroic. And yet, um, the escape artist is a kind of you know classic trope, a, a wonder, you know. And and we know that Kirby was inspired to create Mister Miracle um, when. Uh, Steranko uh, showed off some magic tricks of his, some some of his own escape artist acts, and uh, and and King just wanted to, to to put. I mean, King, sorry, Kirby wanted to just put that in a bottle. You know that that there's something really kind of astounding and something that really speaks to this dream, uh, this fantasy within us that you know lock him up in any way and he can find his way out. 
and that sense of being contained in your life, uh, that, that sense that the world is out to get you and to trap you. We see that in the issues that we looked at this week, issue four and issue five of, um, of Kirby. Uh, you know, Mr. Kirby's Mr. Miracle number four is titled The Closing Jaws of Death. And yeah, this is the one where we meet um, Big Barda and, and, you know, we see a bit of Oberon. And, uh, but really, this is the continuation of the, the paranoid pill that we saw in the previous um, uh, a story. And, you know, he's famously falling from a 50-story building contained in a, uh, a, uh, a safe and locked, you know, tied up. And somehow, you know, he's going he's gonna to make it, uh, thanks to a little bit of Barda, but, but actually thanks to his own wiles. And, uh, you know, he's uh, in combat with Dr. Bedlam, uh, which is craziness and then in issue five uh, uh you know we have more big barda and he confronts um what's his name dr vundabar <laughs> this uh clearly third reich looking character um and you know I, I think that what we see in these two issues is becoming a sort of trope uh structure for mr miracle essentially he escapes uh the 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 you know the plans foils the plans of whoever's trying to put him in a death trap and then we reveal the mystery of how he managed to you know pull off that 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 miracle escape but there's something in the Kirby um, original design of this character that's really about you know how how uh, uh, impenetrable a death trap can be designed and then how crafty can you know Scott free be in the way that he manages to evade it uh, that evasion of death, <laughs> that evasion of the death trap is such a contrast from the rest of the fourth world. Um, you know, forever people have given us these hippies that are trying to overcome hate with love. You know, um, Jimmy Olsen have given us these, you know, this sort of newsboy legion flavor of the scrappy kids who are, you know, uh, taking on the giant corporation and the evil villains. And New Gods has given us, of course, this this battle of Orion, who we also see in the King and Chariots, <laughs> cast in not the best light, <laughs> um, to say the least. <laughs> Orion doesn't uh, come off looking too good in that series. But, uh, you know, Orion is the classic, uh, um, you know, military hero. Scott Free, though, is something different altogether. What do you what is the escape artist in a world in conflict? Uh what does that fantasy represent for us when we don't imagine ourselves as like the 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 muscle-bound triumphant warrior hero but the one who uh, somehow um through through dint of craft and, and is able to um make our way out uh, of the of the bad situation i think that it's fascinating to think about it's something that um uh, Adventures of Cavalier and Clay uh, by uh, Michael Chabon took up uh, that character. That book is, you know, about this uh, sort of uh, Siegel and Schuster era pair of comic book creators who create the, their famous character, who is, of course, the escapist. Um, I think Mr. Miracle as a premise is fascinating. And then, of course, Kirby does this masterful, masterful Kirby thing of even if the story gets boring and just continuing to introduce, to throw in new things that um, make it fascinating. And in these two issues, in issues four and five of the Kirby, you know, I think Big Barda is that introduction. Big Barda is that fascination, that element that is a perfect counterbalance to who Scott Free is that makes their 
bond, their union, so um, intriguing. Uh, and of course, uh, especially given this week of just uh, you know um, heart wrenching uh, testimony and and the this here in this stateside, there's a you know the the sort of uh, Judge Kavanaugh hearings that have been going on to think to a prior time and to really cringe at Oberon and all these other men ogling and and um, making a just um, just terribly uh, objectifying comments about Barda is rough. <laughs> it's I shouldn't be laughing. It's it's rough. It really is rough. Um, it's pretty disgusting to modern ears. Uh, but nonetheless, I think Barda that uh, Kirby has created uh, gives us all of the the um, the the rudiment pieces that you know King and, and Jared's in, in the modern version can flesh out into a, a very um, complex character and an incredibly appealing one, especially in her uh, relationship with Scott. Um, their romance is <laughs> is one for the ages. <laughs> um, but you know, to come back to who Scott Free is and why he's so fascinating to me is that if you are the escape artist, uh, if that is a, a certain tack to heroism, if you can claim that as some as a way of being heroic, um, it's actually in a very interesting thing to set up as a hero in 1971. Because we've run through the course of your punch him in the face, you know, punch, punch Hitler in the face superheroes who are patriotic, you know, on their sleeves. You know, we've run through the course of the sort of ironic, you know, uh, hippie 60s hero. You know, we've run through all these different versions of male heroism. And what Kirby is playing with now is a version of heroism that um, is, I don't know, post 60s pacifist, you know, something like that. I mean, scot-free Mr. Miracle, even in Kirby's hands, is no pacifist. But I think that sets up what King and Jared's are playing with, with this idea that one after another High Father comes and doesn't really have the the tack, the tact to to take on Darkseid, to take on what Darkseid represents, as Matt, you know, expounded so beautifully, that darkness, you know, no one can sort of defeat death. Death is, you know, uh, undefeated. But scot-free, rather than uh, approaching death by just um, <laughs> standing up to death and punching him in the face, my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in, uh, in the King and Jared's Mr. Miracle is the one where they're sneaking around in the tents um, in, on Apocalypse. There's, there's a sense about scot-free that, you know, rather than the, the direct route, he, he's got a trick up its sleeve, his sleeve. And there's um, there's an Ocean's Eleven kind of heroism that is neither um, the powerful, brawny, you know, overpowering hero, nor the um, the I guess the um, the coward. Right? There's a sort of um, backdoor hero that <laughs> Scott Free represents. And, and I feel like that is a certain, so, you know, that character born of, let's say born of the 70s, right? Let's say a Robert Redford era character or a, you know, Paul Newman era character, you know, uh, 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 and then a Brat Pack character 
transported to where we are today, where we have so much ambivalence about and 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 skepticism of power, power wielded by whomever, by quote unquote bad guys or quote unquote good guys. And I think what um, King and Jareds are playing with is this question of if you have to live in a battlefield, you know, all your life, if you have to be um, zipped away to fight in a war and it's a it's an endless war of attrition that um, just has you stained in blood and, you know, um, calculating impossible odds and um, really counting lives thousand in the thousands as if they're nothing how do you possibly return to the normalcy for which you would fight how do you return to that um you know golden hearth for which you went to war to protect and this you know i think what king and jared's really play up is that rather than the earnestness of 19 earnestness of 1971 jack kirby it's really kind of the juxtapositions of these jarringly not fit but but perfectly fit together um, worlds. As Matt pointed out, the same language that's in the original issues, the same bombastic overwrought language, you know, with the same sort with a, sort of those playful fonts, you know, that um, I think it's Clayton Coles, right, uh, uses the. Uh, from that that harken back to the you know Kirby era um Mr. Miracle popping up in these very mundane scenes of a living room you know with a sort of teal couch uh with um the 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 vegetable tray you know this um in issue 4 of the King and Jared's this basically um mockery of a courtroom scene uh, it's a sham no uh <laughs> Sorry to bust out with my Lindsey Graham. It's a sham. Uh, the the mockery of a courtroom scene where um, Light Ray and and Orion pop up to to interrogate Mister Miracle in a way that's totally nonsense, uh, happening in their living room, and it's those juxtapositions of this utterly self serious, um, you know, uh, New Genesis world and 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 warfare with apocalypse, which. You know, again, it's like so dramatic in Kirby's hands, right? It's so like cosmic. It's so vast. But if you place it next to some folks sitting around in a living room eating out of a veggie tray, it's just farcical. <laughs> but you can't have that second time playing it the second time as far as if you don't have the first time having it be tragedy. You know, it, it's like it's it. you can't have this. Um, King and Jared's ironic Mr. Miracle juxtaposition if you didn't have the original uh, Kirby uh, Mr. Miracle, which took itself to some extent utterly seriously. You know, and when you read Kirby's Mr. Miracle, his Scott Free always has a smirk. And it's like you carried over the smirk, but you used that smirk, King and Jared's do, to kind of um, smirk at the the long gulf between our aspirations and our ambitions about what we're doing out in the world and the um, painful and mundane reality of our home life, you know, or of our regular life. Uh, and, and, and as I read the 11 issues that we have of Mr. Miracle, I just couldn't help but 
deeply, profoundly sympathize with those contradictions. You're at work, you're fighting battles, you're trying to, um, you know, make headway on the impossible. Then you come home and you just have to look in the mirror at yourself and wonder about death and, you know, wonder about um, and, and, and embrace and, and just uh, love with all that, you're, all that you can uh, with all of your being, this partner who somehow tolerates you, you know, um, who sticks by your side. And the choice that um, King and Jared's Mr. Miracle ends up having to make towards the end, and I won't spoil in case you haven't read it, um, the choice that they end up having to make is exactly that. It's, it's pitting, you know, this uh, grand scale um, sense of responsibility with, um, you know, this very quiet uh, priority that Scott Free has developed for what his family is. And, and I think that um, that conflict, that, that deep, deep, deep conflict between this just our desire to be quietly and safely um, ourselves and this huge burden to um, accomplish something quote unquote in the world you know uh, is is a question of what heroism means in 2018 um, I think it's a challenging question and it's a question that comes of having sort of pointed out all the hypocrisies of our heroism, um, but st still searching for something that's transcendent. When Mr. Miracle 2017 starts off with Scott Free trying to defeat death uh, or trying to escape death, uh, I think it's, it, it sets us up for really thinking about what escapism means in our times. Uh, what escapism means with our particular uh, shapes of our dreams. And I, I love that King and Jared's bring back the language that Kirby used, because I think that highfalutin, overblown language is a kind of cipher for uh, a version of our earnest fantasies, our earnest ambitions of grandeur that um, I don't think they're making a, just a mockery of, but I think it's the it's the heightened contradiction between that grandeur and the mundaneness of our lives that they're really playing with in fascinating ways. Um, yeah, wow. <laughs> I, I don't know what this was, but I do know that I'm um, having fun reading this stuff and having fun reading it with you. Uh, as Matt said in the closing, I'm at Tuply, T-W-O-P-L-A-I. And, uh, you know, shout out to us uh, with your thoughts about Mr. Miracle. Uh, like it? Don't like it? Mm, feel like it's so-so? Waiting to see what issue 12 has to offer? Um, <laughs> and let us know what you think about um, our thoughts about King, uh, uh, the King, too, about uh, Jack Kirby's um, different kinds of uh, varieties of fourth world stuff that we're dipping through. Uh, next week, I think we'll be back next uh, two weeks from now on the regular run of issues and we'll continue to try to supply new and uh, different material for y'all to, to, to listen to. So thanks and take care.